I will say this. One of the things I've been enjoying about movies recently, thanks to Ryan Johnson, the murder mystery, I feel like, is coming back into movies, even though it's an inherently artificial idea. Welcome to Your Inner Child's an Idiot, the podcast where we look back on things from your child and they're good. My name is Damon. I'm DJ. Hi, how are you? You said that intro, how I sign my name now, where it's just like, D. If I wanted to do that intro the way I sign my name on an iPad, it would just be. <laughs> or Damon. just like a picture of a bear. I get the D line X loopy loop. Mm. So I was thinking, because Thanksgiving is upon us, mm. I wanted to think Gravy of a season. movie that you might watch with your family to avoid having to talk to them over the long holiday season. We're going to watch a football game. Excellent. We're going to watch a football game, and then we're going to fall asleep <laughs> in the second quarter. Then a small gay child will walk in, change the channel, will suddenly wake up and say, I was watching that. <laughs> That's about 89% of my childhood, by the way. That got so sad. Oh, Yeah. So today, we're going to be looking back on, hold on, hold on, or do you want to do the year guessing game when I mention- Oh, I'm really bad at that, but sure, yeah. Okay, today we are going to be looking back on something you can watch with your dad while you silently don't talk to each other. We're going to be watching A Few Good Men. Yes. I want to- No women here! I want to say- That's 90, for the sequel. 93? You're very close. 92? 92. 92. Okay. I fucking love this movie. I'm so pumped. Directed by Rob Reiner. Written by? Aaron Sorkin. Aaron P. Sorkin, baby. Aaron, Aaron Johannes Sorkin. <laughs> 1992. Of course, I mean, I was a child when this came out, obviously. <laughs> but it felt like for the next 15 years of my life, people were saying. And also, by the way, I'm going to challenge us not to say the line. Okay. That is- okay. My only we have so few things that separate us as a podcast. Let this be a thing. <laughs> but I remember people saying the line in question for a third of my childhood. Although probably in re retrospect, it was like for four months, people were making lame. Can I say you want me on that wall? You need me on that wall. No, absolutely. No. Any other okay. line you can you can lay it on. Cool. Me. Excellent. Don't say lay it on me. <laughs> but not that line. Okay. I don't want to hear it. Not even when Sideshow Bob referenced it. On The Simpsons. No truth handler, you. That was breaking my own rule. No one who's German could ever. Anyway, <laughs> I do think that that is an iconic line reading. I mean, there's a reason why everyone. No, it that. absolutely fits in that in context. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, no wonder people came out of this fucking movie saying that left to right. And it was literally in every commercial and trailer yeah, for yeah. this movie. And not only is it like a iconic line delivery iconic line it's also like the climax of the movie like it is very yeah. important it's a rare case where you yeah. can actually show a pivotal line in a movie that changes the whole forward momentum of the plot and just put it in the trailer because out of context it's yeah. barely many it's like anything that they put in the next week on mad men at the end of the thing because it was like <laughs> it was all just lines of people being like what I told him to go downstairs, and it's all like, what? <laughs> what is this? Because the movie is all just people talking in rooms, and that's, that's this true. movie. In beautifully wood-paneled rooms. Yeah. 
I only remember this movie mostly because it's one of the, I think we've talked about this phenomenon. It was one of those movies that like TNT bought at whatever the movie version of Sam's Club was. Yeah. And every Saturday at two for eight months, you could count that there was an airing of A Few Good Men yeah. and you could sit down and watch it. It's pretty much on a Charlie Brown Christmas is on <laughs> during Christmas time. It's if there was a holiday happening during A Few Good Men, we would think of it as It's a Wonderful Life and beg television channels to stop. Playing. It was like, uh, A Few Good Men. Next up, Shawshank Redemption, followed by A Few Good Men. And then The American President, interrupted by A Few Good Men. <laughs> they don't show commercials. They just show a piece of the other movie for about uh, six it's hard minutes. To piece these two together. They're both written by Sorkin. <laughs> Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, Kevin Pollock, Kevin, Kevin Pollock. Let's not Kevin Poo-poo. Bacon. Bacon is in it. Jack Nicholson, obviously. Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. And wait, here we go. This is the one that always surprises me because I forget it. Christopher Guest. Oh, that's right. <laughs> He's the doctor. He's the doctor. What are just, you doing like, here, Mr. Jamie Lee Curtis? Playing, Why are you playing here? a normal role? Do you remember yourself in Little Shop of Horrors? What are you doing here? <laughs> Why aren't you doing like a funny gay voice that I don't find offensive for some reason? I have bad news about the podcast that we're doing right now, though. Oh, no. I can give my verdict right now. Oh, God. And I already said I fucking love this movie. I thought it was a technical issue. Jesus Christ. I would love to do my damnedest to find some faults in this. Just for for tape. For for fun. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. I love... Hating things I love, you know? It's the reason we started this podcast to begin with. I love a trial movie. They don't really make them anymore. What happened to trial movies? Mm, I guess they don't. I guess they kind of like, they're like, we perfected it. I mean, I guess you can, if you have to count the Lincoln lawyer or something like that. Yeah, there was that slew of those. There was like the Morgan Freeman, Ashley Judd one. Wasn't there a trial? I thought that was a cop movie where they're like, along came a spider. Or something. I gotta be honest. Right? I get there's like three of those, and I get a cobweb kinda, for two, kinda, something like that. That's a good one. The eight legged jury. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, the juror. Remember the juror? the juror? Also with Demi Moore. The rural juror, and also the rural juror with Jenna Maroney. The rural gem her. Don't just quote funny lines from another show. <laughs> Make up your own, Damon. Doing your own thing. Come on, Damon. I feel like I didn't see it as a kid. Kid. It's not like we saw this in the theater, but definitely just like on TV. I saw, I think my parents rented it. Okay. That sounds accurate. And I remember watching it, probably not bored out of my mind, but not understanding anything that was happening. And I was literally just waiting for the line, yeah. the forbidden line. I didn't really process it. I think it was only until I was in my 20s, and some doctors would say depressed, that I was watching TNT two o'clock on a Thursday and realized, oh, this has got more of a plot. They sort of did some roughhousing over in Guantanamo Bay. These <laughs> army guys seem like they're real dicks. <laughs> do you think we're going to get to do a Damon's Problematic Corner all about Scientology? Or do you think we should oh, avoid geez. that? Who has the time? <laughs> I'll avoid that. I feel like, you know, the, the Oscar-nominated documentaries have handled that pretty well. And Leah Remini. Let's not forget Leah Remini. She's got that beat covered. That's true. What I'm saying is, it's great, and there are no problems with it. Please don't come for us. Thank you. No, I go to the Scientology Celebrity Center on 8th Avenue here in Nashville all the time. Grab a few of them cans and tell them all my secrets that they keep in a vault and use if I ever badmouth the church. Crack open a Fresca and have a good time. It's great. Can I have Fresca? I guess I can have Fresca. (laughs) 
Can you? No, I know I can okay. have Fresca, but as a Scientologist, can I have Fresca? My guy's saying yes. The, uh, the cult and the boys that's loosely based on Scientology, they, they're all obsessed with Fresca, and I don't, I don't remember if there's a reason why. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, let's watch A Few Good Men. Let's do it. Let's go watch Join it. Join us. Have some turkey, fall asleep. <laughs> I'm really banking on this coming out around Thanksgiving. Have a, I hope it does. Have a postprandial tryptophan surge. It's going to be mm-hmm. great. You know how in this movie they're looking for the Marines? We are also looking for a few proud patrons. So, ooh, now that's an interesting segue. You can march on over to patreon.com slash idiot and salute your payment information into the form and shoot guns at your subscription. Money guns. Money guns. Do we have different tiers or walls that we need people on? That we want people on? Different rankings? You can be a sergeant? Nope. Mm -hmm. Colonel? That's a rank. Sergeant is a rank. You've got colonels, you got lieutenants, you got majors, you've got minors, you've got spies, you've got bombs, and you have one flag that you have to find. That's the goal for Stratego and the U.S. military. And if you get the Tanuki suit, you can turn into a statue. <laughs> Patreon.com slash idiot. Come on over. No military training necessary. Come on over. You know, military. The Marines Disclaimer, are. In case people actually get really weird. <laughs> the Marines are famous for saying, come on over. <laughs> come on. We'll pay for college. Come on. If you live. If you live, we'll pay for college. If you're poor, we'll get you to fight in a war for us <laughs> well edith bunker is running the military is come that so what i heard there archie come on fighting the war hello everyone we are back we watched a few good men the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a sequel to a few good man yeah they did mm-hmm. that sort of alien aliens trick which i enjoyed classic yeah. trick <laughs> that they do <laughs> little old sequel trick i believe we made a new rule that since this is your movie choice you have to recap so is that the rule i believe it is unless it was the other way around in which case i forgot that that's the rule no i think you recapped demoman so i will yep. recap yep. a fugaman mm-hmm. picture this guantanamo bay cuba a place we've never heard of and we'll never hear of after this movie comes out again and there's, ah, Willie Santiago. <laughs> he's, he's a rapscallion. He can't keep up with his team. So he dies during a, a hazing-like ritual that they call a code red. The two fellow Marines who committed that code red, uh, they get arrested and they get court-martialed. And they, Demi slash Demi more, just a half a more. Demi. Semi-Demi more. She champions their case. And she really wants it assigned to herself. It's her first time in court, but it gets assigned to this guy over here. This guy with a lot of swagger, a lot of talking, but known for getting a a plea deal and being done with it. But then, uh, don't you know what? He starts to hearken to their plight, and he believes they were ordered to commit this code red by hires up. And who's that hires up? The Joker himself, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger slash that one Irish kid in that deleted scene from the Batman, also known as Jack Nicholson. He's kind of a rough around the edges type, real militaristic type. So he 
found a good career, but he's an asshole, but they really can't pin anything on him. So they do all this court talking and, and swaggering. You know, a lot of stuff happens. Someone commits suicide. One of their, their star witnesses commits suicide. There's some flirtiness between Semi Moore and Tom Cruise, but not any sexual flirtiness. And then we've got Kevin Pollock over here. Cuba Gooding's there for a minute. That guy from ER is there. Eventually, they, in a breach of decorum, they call Colonel Jessup, who's up for a big, <laughs> you know, a big federal job in the executive branch. You know what they do? They put him on the witness stand and he confesses everything. Plot twist. He just says yes. He did actually request the Code Red to rough up underperforming soldier. Didn't mean for him to die, but dems the brakes and he gets arrested and the the guys, they get dishonorably discharged anyway because, Deej, they were supposed to protect the weak. They weren't supposed to rough up. That sounds unbecoming. Unbecoming of an officer. Mm. That's correct. You know, in the end of the day, there's a big cursive V end that <laughs> yes. uh, appears over the, the courtroom like in the end of an episode of Perry Mason. Da, 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 in what is boop. always jarring, no matter how many times I've seen this movie, every time my brain has deleted the V end, the curse of the end, and every time I'm like, what the fuck is this? Every time. Anyway, that is single-handedly one of the worst recaps I have ever done for this show. I never think I could get worse, and I do. I don't think that was bad. Now, our listeners may disagree, and really, there's <laughs> is the most important opinion. But I don't think this- Listeners, rank my recaps and let me know how I'm doing. Am I getting better, or am I just sort of hit a plateau, and they're all just going to be shit for the rest of my life? I just think it's a, it's a hard movie to recap because it's a courtroom drama. A lot of mahogany. I mean, and once you understand the facts of the case- that there is a thing that happened, and we as the audience know what happened, and we know that Colonel Jessup ordered the code red mm-hmm. as the audience. So there's not like a mystery, but the mystery is whether they'll get it's like an episode of Columbo. We're just trying to see him yeah. get him. Well, whether we'll actually see the comeuppance for the Colonel or anything. And <laughs> that Scientologist got him. <laughs> he used his Thetan powers yeah. to get him. I mean, when you see a car wreck on the side of the road, you beat yourself up inside because you know you're the only one who can help. Have you not seen that video of Tom Cruise that was supposed to be just a a video that was circulated around Scientology, but it got leaked and he's talking like a fucking lunatic. And he talking with the first line is him saying when you pass by a car wreck on the highway, it eats you up inside because you know you truly, even though if there's an ambulance there, you know you're the only person who can help. Can you imagine what what a deranged mind you can have when you're like, you know what these people need? Really expensive books about office culture, a religion made out of office culture tricks. It's nonsense. Self-help. That's what they need. Self-help books. I think at some point we need a problematic corner for this movie. I don't know if it's yet, but we can. Let's go into the problematic corner. Let's go. Oh, Okay. Hold on, I gotta get my stuff. I got. Do I bring the mic with me, or are there mics in? Well, the just problem? just make sure it's put away so that no one sees the microphone because they might <laughs> steal it. Or we're in the other room. Oh, because they're they're yeah yeah. Because we're just doing this in a library. Yeah. I, I don't know if a lot of people know that we're just in the public library. <laughs> Ooh, watch out now, y'all! Demons got a problem, baby. Ooh, watch out now, y'all! Let them know about it. Okay, we're in the problematic corner. Okay, I mean, Scientology in general, I just, I think it's been done. There are people that, that can cover it better than us. It's its own kind of problematic. We're not going to get into it. If you don't know somehow, 
Tom Cruise is famously a Scientologist, which is a religion full of problematic practices. That's all you mm-hmm. need to know. But we've also got Cuba Gooding Jr., who makes a very brief appearance. He plays one of the officers. Oh, baby Cuba. Wait, what's his problem? Do we not like... What did he do? He was credibly accused of some assault things. Yeah. <sighs> Again with this. I don't mean that towards the accusers. I mean that towards the, yeah. the guy who was accused. Like, hey, hey, can we just all just... Once someone isn't engaging with your flirtatiousness, you just yeah. go away. I'm sure there's something that I've missed as well. I know at some point, a long time ago, like... Jack Nicholson was accused of some stuff that settled out of court. So no idea. Sexual stuff or that golf club stuff? Assault, I think. Was it the golf club thing where he bashed some guy's car in with a golf club? No, I didn't even hear about that. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite Jack Nicholson stories. Favorite. (laughs) Favorite. (laughs) What a weird thing to have be your favorite. He got angry, I don't know, with a specific person or just with a car near him, but he bashed the back windshield of a car with a golf club. This was like in the maybe late 90s, 2000s. Well, we've also got, I think it was like the mid-2000s, Kiefer Sutherland, who has had struggles with alcohol, I believe. He assaulted, like headbutted somebody or something. But (sighs) again, these are not like good things, but it's also like, that's more older because it's an older movie. We got people that are like, I'm sure there was worse stuff that just didn't come out of all these people (laughs) because it was like a lot of people were peaking in the nineties. It was like, uh, maybe later we'll hear about something else. But also just, I think in the movie itself, there's a couple of things. There's some misogyny that is just kind of baked in at some point. Well, that I feel like is... On purpose. I feel like that is a purposeful choice of the movie. Yes. It's supposed to be a little bit more, this guy is a roguish dick, Tom Cruise, not fuck this guy. Because like his first thing when- I thought you were talking about the Jessup- Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, that But what are the Tom Cruise parts? The Tom Cruise, like the first thing, or one of the first things that that Joe, Demi Moore's character, she like rattles off something impressive and he he says, wow, I'm sexually aroused, which is like just fucking gross. And it's supposed to be like, this guy's a dick. It's not supposed to be like charming, but it's also not supposed to be as off-putting to a, as it is to as a, it is like a modern audience, yeah. I think. That's fair. And then Jessup, which you mentioned, says there's nothing sexier than a woman you have to salute. Uh, yeah. Which it's supposed to be gross. He's an asshole. I, lo- I mean, I, I don't love that line, but I like the usage of that line because I feel like it colors. I, this movie doesn't really, aside from those initial bits that you are talking yeah. about, I don't feel like it really harps on Demi being a woman in this scene. Right. But I feel like that sexism, which I feel like is often cut out of the television edit that I'm most familiar with, <laughs> it colors her because it happens in like act one when they're still, yeah. when they first meet Jessup. It colors her character, I think, for the rest of the movie without constantly degrading her in this in a way that I think a lesser movie would. It just is this really stark moment where Jessup, not even directly at her, he he when he realizes that technically Demi Moore is the commanding officer between she's higher rank than than Tom Cruise, and so she can boss him around. And he says, oh, there's nothing sexier than a woman in uniform. I say, promote them all, because there's nothing better than getting a blowjob from your commanding officer. I mean, it's a real prickish thing. It's the moment when Jack Nicholson realizes, I don't like these fuckers, so right. I'm just going to treat them like yeah. shit. But I like how that part is used. He also does it to Tom Cruise, where he refers to Tom Cruise's faggoty white suit. Yeah, he's just a complete fucking jackass. It's a little bit like you don't want to give too much of a, a pass for it. At the same time, it's like it's it is very it's used to make him seem 
like a, a terrible character. So it's not like the movie isn't agreeing with him or like condoning his right. behavior. In fact, it's the the opposite. And she kind of like it's supposed to like color your yeah, perception of this yeah. character. So I think that it's just I think that's less egregious. It's more egregious like as a line in a <laughs> vacuum, but it's less egregious like in the context of the film where you're not you're not supposed to align with right. whereas Justin. tom cruise you're supposed to be like this yeah. guy he's got riz as the yeah. kids would say he's got a r- rakish good charm <laughs> right he's a, he's a scallywag yeah. he's a cad but uh, you know i love him god love yeah. him that's all i've got for a problematic corner okay let's get out of this corner because my mic i see a guy i have my mic over there hey by, by the reference section Hands hey off. we're using this table <laughs> Watch out now, y'all. Damon's got a problem, baby. Ooh, watch out now, y'all. Let him know about it. Did you sign it out? Yes. Why would we be recording Just podcasts with, in a library? Check with Brenda. Well, it's so quiet. And the books absorb a lot of sound. A lot of people don't know that. Just surround yourself. Abbey Road, recorded in a library on, a, on Abbey Road. Weirdly, the soundtrack for Superbook, recorded in a gymnasium. <laughs> Superbook. Why is that what I came what the up fuck with? Fuck is Superbook. I don't even know what Superbook oh. is, but I laughed for fear <laughs> that I was supposed to know. It's a television children's series. And do you know what the Superbook is? <laughs> is it the Bible? It is the Bible. Oh, fuck. Spoiler alert. Fuck. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland loves that Bible. That's uh, one of the two books he's read. <laughs> his character. Keeps on his, keeps on his Kendrick, thing. Yeah. Well, no, you're right. Kendrick. He scares the shit yeah. out of me in this movie. He he's like great. almost doesn't blink. Yeah. No, I do uh, yeah, he's not. He's chilling. No, I do not. He's got that crazy Southern accent. It's almost accent. like Southern Belle. Yeah. What's interesting is that he plays the character. I mean, I don't want to go off on so many tangents, but he plays the character. There's a scene I don't particularly care for, honestly, which is the, I call it the Columbo scene because it's Jessup revealing that he did it, sort of. It feels completely unnecessary in the movie. Not the fi- the climax. I mean, early on when oh. we first see Jessup, where he's talking to- Where they like show the meeting with Kendrick Yeah, and where he's like, oh, let's do some schemes. Yeah. Let's do some code redden. But in that scene, there is an interesting interaction between him and Kendrick, where Kendrick seems absolutely terrified of Jessup. What's the other guy's name too? The, the, the other officer, Markison, is also terrified of him. But Kendrick, being the younger officer who who doesn't have the history of Markinson and Jessup too, he looks like a child next to these men. And then later, when you see him, he's just a complete dick to absolutely everyone he encounters. Yeah, thank you for letting my burp have a little. Give it a little room. room on both sides. <laughs> you know what I like? I like to see when military guys get to do their little gun flare. The clacking and the clicking and the swooshing. I like the it's clacking cool. sound. I don't know why I'm into it. I think because one, I don't encounter it very many times yeah. because I don't go to military shows anymore. Now that I'm out of my parents' house, my dad loved. If we ever went to Washington D.C., he wanted to see. He wanted to go to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier so he can see like the changing of the guards at the tomb, and you hear a lot of the. <laughs> I do enjoy that sound. It's very like ASMR. I could listen yeah. to that all day. And then I remember, oh, that's a fucking gun. A gun. What the fuck is this? Yeah. I think the sort of effects of shooting someone aside and the problematic gun <laughs> culture of America, like guns are cool. So so it's like, it's one of those things where that is neat. And then you think about what they can do and you're like, no, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying anything about everyone should be born and handed a gun. I'm just saying they are neat. And I kind of understand why 
these some of these things are neat. To quote Tracy Jordan, I'll be the first to say it's like a giant metal penis. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's also not to just piss Scientologists, military, and the Catholic Church, but these people that are like sort of obsessed with the sort of rules and the sort of hierarchy. Part of me is like, this is all ridiculous. <laughs> and then part of me is like, can I see a chart? Of your organization, though, because that is very interesting to me. <laughs> and if you have a map of the campus, I would also like to see that. It's like Lord of the Rings where you're like, I want the map in the book so that I can flip back to it and be like, oh, they're in that. Okay, I got is it. Is there a way you can hand me a map when I walk into the theater <laughs> see it? Is that an option? No? Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, actually, one of my few complaints as Lord of the Rings fan is like, it's a shame we don't have a get to see the map more often. You get to see it in the introduction. And I think there's like a brief shot of one in, in like the two towers, but really could use one just like on my lap so I can follow along. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's Weathertop. Yeah, it's right outside of Bree. Like, I don't think I don't think it's exactly the same, but it's like scratching the same itch is the sort of like the rules and the hierarchy and the structure that happens in the military that I'm kind of like, I don't get it. And like, especially as an outsider, I also can sort of understand where it's coming from. <laughs> Have you ever seen Doubt with Meryl Streep and Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman? Mm -hmm. There's a scene where he starts reprimanding Meryl Streep's character because this is who she should have called and she should have called this guy. And it's it's not her job to talk to other nuns at other parishes. She should talk to the priest at the other church. And I was like, ooh, that's very interesting. Yeah. I just want to know what the protocol is if yeah. I have a problem with the priest. There's a phone, I like a phone tree, you know? <laughs> I think one of our children has been molested. Who do I call at the other church? Now, of course, there are like, No one? Oh, interesting. On the pro side, there are the sort of points that they, they do make in this movie on the military side is they're like, you know, this is a machine of war, right? Like this is a machine of like, there is very real danger and maybe not now in this one area, but it is built to handle that. And you cannot sort of break this structure because it doesn't work. It only works if you sort of like follow that structure and follow these orders. And it's a scheme. And if it's not in this very specific <laughs> triangular shape, and I want it all falls. The powers at the top. <laughs> On the other side of it, yeah, someone died. Let's let's stop with this fucking bullshit. Right, and you're putting all this power on this one guy who can rule over Gitmo in this little fiefdom. When has that has putting all of the power into <laughs> either one or a very small number of people at the top? When has that ever been a problem? Especially when they're specifically ambitious to get more and more jobs, and they get that by getting results. <laughs> I think you bring up a good point because one of the things that I think is most interesting re-watching this movie now is that it is a peacetime movie. It's a very interesting crux of history where A Few Good Men uh, happens, which is where, I mean, we're still sort of in the aftermath of the Vietnam War and the way like people perceive the military. Also, the Soviet Union has just fallen like the Gulf War. One or two days yeah. before. And then one or two days before. One of two years before. I always forget about the first Gulf War. It's right after the first Persian Gulf War. And then it's also pre-9-11. There's this sort of, I feel like there's this awkwardness about the military in this time of American history that I don't think there's a lot of trust in it post-Vietnam. And there's not the yeah, I'll say it, blind trust in it that we will have in the aftermath of 9-11 going into the Afghan war that I think was sorted out really quickly anyway. So it's like, <laughs> I shouldn't even be complaining about it. 
But I think that's really interesting. You have these sort of like guys who might feel a little bit like fossils a little bit. I mean, he's guarding over Cuba. I mean, it's not like we're going to war with Cuba anytime soon, really. I mean, I know Castro is still there during this time, but there's this sort of, you need me on that wall watching a bunch of Cubans who are also watching us. It feels like the Butter Battle book by Dr. Seuss. It seems a little like silly when you start to think about it. But we also like put a lot of power into these people and people in my family really like the military in a certain way. And and I have complicated feelings about it. Yeah, this was apparently all based on a true story. The guy didn't die, but there was like Sorkin's sister apparently was a was a jag. (laughs) I don't know her, but he says she's a jag. (laughs) His words. (laughs) But she, I don't know, was involved in the case where there was like a bunch of Marines, like nine different Marines, like beat this guy up and he ended up he was okay, but he was eventually honorably discharged, but then was found murdered later. Yeah. It's not exactly a one-to-one, but it's based on that sort of very real story. So these are real things that sort of exist in the world, whether the, you know this thing didn't happen exactly like this. But there's also like the whole Guantanamo Bay of it all, which we kind of... This felt too big to like keep in the problematic corner because this is like... <laughs> you kind of gloss over the fact that like this is where a very real, much more recent revealing of how we as a country like treat our prisoners of war and like the kind of culture that's being tolerated and, and encouraged potentially in these places. I mean, it colors knowledge of that colors his speech in that final speech in the courtroom where he's like, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You shouldn't question my results. You should just be happy with what you have right. because I will do whatever it takes to get you this thing. And I feel like Now in America, I think more than ever, we are questioning, no, 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 I actually would like to know how you are doing this. Let's talk about the methods. I'm starting to realize that it's all fucked up. And yeah, I mean, I I think uh, Gitmo's legacy now will be the torture of the war on terror. I mean, I'm not going to even say terrorists because most of them are held with no charges. But it's very interesting to watch this movie after the fact. But also just to 30 years hence. play the other side for a second too, like as someone who's not in the military or hasn't served, if someone's like, you have no idea what I go through, I have to I have to be like, you're absolutely right. And I'm like, right. I also would like to keep as many people from experiencing <laughs> that uh-huh. in any country as possible, because that is not something that I have experienced or want to experience or think that you should have gone through. You know, so you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I mean, there, I I do hear that a lot. And I mean, I always am infuriated by that because it's almost this shutdown of discussion. Yeah. So you thus cannot criticize me because you haven't been through what I've been through. And I'm like, fuck off. We right. are a civilian government. You don't I don't work for you. You are supposed to be working for us. Right. Anyway. <laughs> so yuck, 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 yuck. So I do want to talk about Jessup. Can I talk about Jessup as a character please. in general? I mean, we've touched on it. One of the things I think that I was reminded a little bit of Silence of the Lambs while I was watching this yeah. in that he colors the entire movie despite being in it for like 14 yeah. minutes yeah. total. Three, he's like three in scenes. that final scene, of yeah. course. And he's in that weird Columbo scene at the beginning. And then... I mean, when he's talking to them at at Gitmo itself. but And I think Jack Nicholson is perfectly cast because Jack Nicholson can play very charming, which Jessup does in his initial scene where he's like meeting everyone and he realizes that he knew Caffey's father. And he can also play very menacing and terrifying as he does for the rest of the movie. Yeah. That he's in. Yeah. I don't know how to say this in a way that isn't like... (laughs) 
mind blowing to you, but I think Jack Nicholson's <laughs> a pretty good actor in this. Yeah. He's incredible in this. Like just like the energy that he brings to that performance is just, you hate him so much, but you also, it's a perfectly logical stance that he has. He believes that he is in yeah. the right. And he believes that this fucking guy coming in mm-hmm. here, these fucking people have no idea, you know, what it this takes. This guy with a heart problem, probably. Yeah, right. Just needed to be roughed up a little bit until his heart problem was cured. And right. then he could be a proper Marine. Yeah. You know, that's the tough love. You just need me to cover you with a blanket and beat the shit out of you. And then <laughs> you'll be a better soldier. What's the problem? Just like my family. That's what we always did at Christmas. We would pick someone in the family, throw a sheet on them, drag them out into the front yard, and beat the hell out of them with sticks. Merry Christmas, hey, Mom. Hey, listen. Do you want the <laughs> results, or do you want the method? You know? I'm not going to have you wake up under the blanket of freedom I provide for you, Mother. <laughs> and have you question the manner in which I provide it. Speaking of that turn of phrase, <laughs> I think I've mentioned this in the intro, but I'm an unabashed Sorkin fan. So the turns of phrase in this film, there's a lot of really good ones. There's a lot of Sorkinisms that yeah, all the criticisms of Sorkin that come out, like I think are valid. He loves to hear the sound of his own voice through characters. He's like a little pie in the sky in terms of bipartisanism or like justice and all this kind of stuff. He's more interested in the sound of intellectualism than actual intellectualism. That's a criticism from Aaron Sorkin himself. Yeah, I I think that's all <laughs> that's all fair game. That's all justified, but also like I love his I like I love it. No, there is a musical quality to his language. It's been done and parodied so many times that it's uh, even I one of my favorite cameos on 30 Rock is Aaron Sorkin showing up because he's auditioning to be a writer for The Sing-Off. <laughs> and he has a walk and talk with Liz Lemon as they walk in a circle, which Liz Lemon notes. Did we just walk in a circle? I share a love of Sorkin as well, as a person who also likes the sound of intellectualism right. without actually being intellectual. <laughs> Welcome to Your Inner Child as an Idiot. It's a podcast <laughs> where two guys with zero qualifications <laughs> talk about things at length. I mean, there was a really great Slate article a few years ago, I think during the heyday of the newsroom. Remember that one? I also kind of like the newsroom. Sorry. It's not good, <laughs> but I also kind of liked it. He was talking about how Sorkin like, sometimes gets criticized as being like highbrow, but he's actually middlebrow. And I'm like, that's the perfect- yeah. brow. <laughs> perfect brow he's at, in that he- likes to talk about ideas more than actually like deconstruct and grapple with ideas, but it is still fun. It's almost like if like a one act play could be like a popcorn movie at the same time. He finds that middle ground where it's it's fun to listen to these smart sounding people talk about things and use words and reference Gilbert and Sullivan a lot more than you'd think that normal people would. But yeah, what's interesting about this is that this is his first movie based on a play that he had made, a play that had run in New York. And you can sort of see proto-Sorkin in it. The musicality that I think like really got ingrained into his dialogue isn't there yet, but you can sort of like here turns a phrase and you're like, that seems like a Sorkin line, but maybe could have used another pass through. It is fun to see as like sort of his first adaptation. His yeah. First, and there's a uh, screenplay. There's a lot of humor, but like this is not, you know, this is not a comedy movie by any chance, but there's actually like a lot of humor in it, especially when it's 
you know, before it gets going, like in the ways we're establishing characters, but in the first and second act, there's a lot of little lines and stuff. And I think they're all like, they still, I've seen this movie a lot of times and it still is like, (laughs) 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 they're just like little, little bits. It helps with the delivery of, especially of our, our like three, three leads. Mm -hmm. I think they're great. I think they're, they're perfectly cast. And yeah, speaking of this organisms, he's also like a fairly self-aware, not just in interviews, but you know, the West Wing, which like made the walk and talk famous it wasn't the first but it was like the where that became famous they make fun of it like in that show where they're like wait where are you going oh i'm going over here okay <laughs> it's kind of self-aware but still pretentious which is right in my wheelhouse i think you get a little bit of that in kind of this scene as well i can't fault it too much because i love sorkin so even bad sorkin i like so this is this is good and he hasn't quite found his voice yet but it, it's amazing yeah, it's getting there, and I feel like it gets closer with the American president after this. And I'm trying to New think of sports what night. comes after that. Sports night. I love sports night. And then, of course, with the West Wing. But there were a few moments where I was like, did AI write? There were a few moments where I thought that AI wrote lines. There's one scene where I think when Tom Cruise first meets the two defendants, it's very Sorkin-esque in that they keep calling him sir. And he's like, he's nine months in the Navy. He does not like being called sir. And he keeps telling them, please stop calling me sir. And one right after he says that, the dumber guy calls him sir twice. Sir, yes, sir. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, you certainly don't need to call me sir twice in a sentence. But then after that scene, for some reason, he turns around and says like the most cliched line to the defendants like, right now, I'm the only friend you've got. I'm like, why did he say that? Why why is that that line there? And then I thought you would hate this. But when he's thinking about pleading the case after Kevin Bacon tells him that he can get him like six months, Demi Moore calls him He's a used car salesman with a rank, which I thought was fine as a line. But then later she's like, you're the only one who can win. And I'm like, which is it? He's a (laughs) shitty lawyer or he's the only one who can win? I know you love it when things that are not the only thing that can happen are the only thing that can happen. If only there were other lawyers. (laughs) Yeah, in the world. There's literally two in this room. (laughs) Wine, Weintraub? Wait, what is his name? Sam Weinberg. I think Weinberg. That's Kevin um, Weinberg could do it. I really like his arc in this. He doesn't have much of an arc. This I like his character. He plays like a kind of more senior, but like more of like a document lawyer, like research guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a research guy. They basically their commanding officer like puts Tom Cruise on the case, but he has he's been requested, and he's been requested because they know he's going to try to settle out of court, and they don't want this to right. go to trial because they want to protect Jessup. So like people in the mucky mucks are already trying to game this whole trial, which is a really cool through line. It's something I've never picked up on in previous viewings. And I wouldn't say that they need to hit on it more. It's just something I'd never noticed in previous viewings. I was like, oh, yeah, of course. I think it's the perfect amount because like, it's not like so subtle that it's hard to catch. But if you're not paying attention, you could miss it. But it doesn't like take away from anything. But you're like, oh, this is fucked. Like they put him on it. And he, of course, Tom Cruise having that revelation later is really important for the character and for the trial. But like th- them setting that up earlier, it doesn't matter if you catch that or not, but it's it's kind of yeah. nice. And then there, there's a point when Kathy, the Tom Cruise character is like late to their first meeting and the commanding officer is like, I know you don't have a good excuse, so I won't force you to come up with one. And he's like, <laughs> thanks. And then he basically puts Sam on the 
case with him just to kind of babysit him. And he's like, so I have no responsibilities here whatsoever. And he's like, you got it. And then later <laughs> he's like. Also very sorkin Yeah. Him like immediately calling it back when he meets Joe, Timmy Morris character. He's like, this is Sam Weinberg. And he's like, I have no responsibilities whatsoever. <laughs> Absolutely. That does remind me in the first scene that we meet Joe, she's sort of bring the case to the attention of yeah. the aforementioned muckety mucks. They're like, Joe, why don't you go and get, a, get yourself a cup of coffee? And she's like, oh, I'm fine. And he's like, Joe, why don't you leave the room so we can talk behind your back? Yeah. And she's like, oh, I see. <laughs> I like the way they set up her character from the very beginning. She's like the first person of our of our trio that we see. And she's yeah. walking through, like talking to herself, like psyching herself. I, I hope that it's myself that you, I think it, it should be <laughs> me, myself. And she's like, then she's like yeah. making fun of herself, not getting it. And then when she gets into the office, I mean, she talks great until she has to actually say yeah. that specific thing she was rehearsing and she fucks it up. I love her in this movie. She's great. I don't think I've appreciated her as much in, in previous viewings. As we mentioned, I've only seen the first part of this movie three times and the last half of this movie 643 yeah. times. So I do appreciate, like I said, with the Jessup speech where he sort of dresses her down in front of everyone verbally but i think also you see her as this very like hyper competent lawyer she knows everything backwards and forwards she has that interplay with tom cruise where she's like do you know what a code red is and the music's like boom she also dresses him down a little bit and that she's rattling off all this information and he can't keep up i mean again the movie doesn't really like focus on it doesn't belabor the point but points out that she knows what the fuck she's doing, but they want someone who, I mean, also revealed they want someone who doesn't have a lot of experience in trial, but yeah. also they want someone who has a little swagger, I guess. The guy with swagger is always going to sort of get more attention. And in the end, they they need them both. She shows herself to be maybe not good on her instincts in court versus Tom Cruise's character. But I think they do a great job showing that she's sort of being overlooked despite her hyper competency. Right. Yeah. She's got this sort of Lisa Simpson vibe a little bit. Right. You brought my favorite character that I want to talk about, <laughs> which is the music. Oh, uh, I'm so good. Go ahead. <laughs> it's extremely early 90s synth. It reminds me of like, I cannot help it every time that I hear it, which I've heard the score a lot because I've seen this movie a lot. It always <laughs> That's when they're investigating or something mysterious is happening. It always reminds me of the music in the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> it's the same. Oh, right. When the one like they realize the Foot Clan's there. Yeah. It's great. Movies I also know backwards and forwards. I think that's the, yeah. actually the main thing, maybe some of the establishing shot, but that's like the main thing dating this movie. Like if you changed out that score and if you didn't know these actors in their modern day form, it's fairly well, I timeless. I, do you remember when Kevin Pollock's character says, I'm glad 9-11 hasn't happened yet? I feel like that sort of dates the movie. I was like, "Ooh, really, really took me out of it, movie. They're holding a crank phone. Can you imagine if this could fit in your pocket? <laughs> Why am I holding? I don't know. Clearly don't know how to. Oh. Hello? Ahoy, hoy. <laughs> the music is problematic to me, not because of synth. I knew what, going in, I was probably going to get synth. It's 1992. Sure. They hadn't invented pianos yet. <laughs> but what bothered me was that the fortes. music was there at all. I think that Rob Reiner makes a lot of choices here that I wouldn't make. I'll say that. Okay. In that, like when she, I mean, that line I already referenced where she's like, hey, Kathy. 
do you know what a code red is? Like already it's kind of cheesy because he's already in the middle of a baseball game and in yeah. real life you'd be like, what? Because I'm like a hundred feet <laughs> from you. But then the, the synth music comes in like so that you, the audience member knows that's a vocab word for the movie. <laughs> that's like the movie putting it in bold f- font. Yeah. Bah. Ooh, okay. I should remember codes red going forward. <laughs> And I feel like there were other instances where I was like, stop doing the music. I'm able, you've hired a slew of good actors. They have sold the importance of the line. You don't have to like have Jerry Goldsmith Jr. come in and like slam his elbow down on a Casio. <laughs> I will hand it to them that the crux of the movie is that 20 minute courtroom scene. And that is not completely music free, but it is it's a lot more subtle than the rest of the movie. It's like mm-hmm. they like treat the courtroom as like a separate movie. The courtroom's a character in and of itself. Yeah. Just like the city. <laughs> Just like New York City and Sex in the City. Speaking of the city, there's some st- establishing shots in this movie that make Washington, D.C. seem like the most fuckable city <laughs> in the continental U.S. <laughs> Like, why are they so... Because nothing can be over nine stories tall. Sultry. Like, they're all, like, very, like, low, like, oh, hey. Hey, Lincoln Memorial. Is it always sunset in Washington, D.C.? Is this in some weird place in the Antarctic (laughs) that it's always, the sun's always going down? (laughs) Just like our democracy. Oh, wow. Hold on. I want to cross out the things I've said. I will say, sorry, I want to bounce back to Weinberg, because I do like... Kevin Pollock in this movie, but he has a weird story beat that it feels like it comes out of nowhere and almost feels like I can't criticize the movie or I can't criticize Kevin Pollock says it feels like almost a deleted scene is like something's missing. When he's going to quit. Right. Well, when he's going to quit and when Demi Moore, I can't remember what she does, but at at some point he's like, he's about to walk out and she's like, why do you hate them so much? (laughs) And he like pauses and slowly turns around. And then, I mean, he, he gives a fairly serviceable speech of like... They're bullies. Because they beat up a weakling. Yeah. They they saw a kid who was weak and they beat the shit out of him. And it's it's a fine speech, but I was like, where is this? Is this... Was everyone else... Did I get coffee at a weird time? Like, when did this happen? That he was showing no signs of having hated anyone. I mean, he has like a weird speech before they really delve into the case. But since the case has developed and we realize that this came from... Jessup himself, it feels a little tacked on, like, and Weinberg, you're getting a, a beat right now, and then I guess it'll be resolved. I don't know. Well, far be it for me to like take away your film viewing experience, but you're wrong. Here we go. Okay. So not only does he <laughs> No. You ignorance. <laughs> I think that's valid, but I think they do set it up with before Joe comes in with Chinese food, before they like really start delving and he's like, You don't need me, why am I here? And then him even saying that makes Tom Cruise, it's not just that he's like, you don't need me. Tom Cruise reads that as, you've got a problem with our defendant. Mm-hmm. And he says why. He doesn't say it as vociferously as he does later. And then right before that argument with him and Demi Moore, she blows the courtroom day because oh, um. she says, I strenuously object. <laughs> and then, which I, I really like that. She has, she doesn't have courtroom experience and she's like, your honor, I object. And he's like overruled. And then she's like, your honor, I strenuously object. And then she's like, uh, overruled. And then she does it again. <laughs> and then it basically, he's pissed because it, not just because he's like, you object, you get it on the record and then you move on. Like now it looks mm-hmm. like we're scared of the, like he has a good point. 
she right. she made a mistake. And, but he's like making fun of her. He's like strenuously accept. Is that is that how it works? <laughs> strenuously object. Oh, I strenuously object. And so they have the argument. So I think it is set up because we've set up like his motivation, and then we've but set that up. That doesn't really have to do with him hating these defendants. No, but the scene, the other thing I said <laughs> does. No, I know, I know. <laughs> but I mean, the the fact that she strenuously objected to the doctor. I mean, that doesn't play into him. I feel like there's a big gulf between these two events. Yeah. And it just seemed like it came out of nowhere there. Like the speech at the beginning is fine. Right. And if there was some other, because we see him like prepping them for testimony. We see him sitting next to them in court the whole time. There's no continuous sign that he like loathes these defendants. And then it just feels like, oh, we need something right here. Oh, let's bring up Weinberg's hatred of the defendants. You thought they were buddies. Because they were sitting next to each no, other. No, I just felt like the movie hadn't sold that they were, that no, he I, hated them. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't need more of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like if you're going to give him this dramatic beat, don't make me go, wait, what? What, what are you talking about? It was also very cheesy, like the execution of that. Yes. She'd be like, why do you hate them so much? And then him being like, because they're bullies. And then he's like, why do you love <laughs> them so much? And then he so sold much? a tape for a penny yeah. to a passerby. And then the, her response, you know, why do you why do you like them so much? And she's like, because they stand on the wall and say, Ugh, I'm not going to that. Oh, that was the that, that was, was like, the other little. I'm like, fuck off. that that moment. And the, the very end, not just the the very end, but also <laughs> so <laughs> where Jessup flies away on his <laughs> yeah. um, skateboard on his meat cat. flies away. On his so <laughs> Jessup gets arrested and taken away. And obviously that's the actual Climax of the movie, and the rest of this is just denouement, where we actually, what is normally the climax of a court case movie is a courtroom drama would be like the verdict, right? And it is sort of, but we've kind of already had the peak and the big action set piece, because at this point, we know that they're not ultimately culpable, but... They are guilty of conduct unbecoming. They get dishonorably discharged, which is really devastating. They still beat the shit out of a guy and he dies. Yeah. So I don't always agree with the court, but I'll enforce it. No. But like, you can see why, where <laughs> is the- Is you're Kevin Bacon? Is that what you were doing? I don't doing? know. I don't know. You can see where, where that came from. And then, you know, it's kind of devastating to our characters. But at this point, we've kind of like, it does feel very like, okay, let's wrap this up. And then- <laughs> And then the one. Let's wrap this up. Your whole dreams, you <laughs> yeah. know, crashing down around you. Let's just come on. Dawson says, you know, because we basically we we're bullies. We didn't protect the little guy. But, but don't forget Downey, the the cute but stupid one, comes out and goes, "What did we do? <laughs> what did we do?" What did we do? <laughs> and then the other guy has to explain like what happened. Like, okay, no one's this dumb. Come on. Are you having trouble believing that the military would recruit people who? Don't understand what's going on, or I'm going to plead the fifth on that okay. one. Okay, can I do that in a court martial? I'm not even sure. No, you're under arrest. Ah, <laughs> twist. The siren is. There is no Fifth Amendment in court martial. <laughs> yeah, but that whole wrap up sequence is also very cheesy. It's very like a very special episode because he's like turns almost to the camera yeah. and is like, "We didn't take care of the little guy." And yeah, then it's very, it's very. The more you know. And then uh, when he leaves and then he's as he's leaving, Tom Cruise, Caffey says, you know, you don't need a patch on your arm to say you have honor. And then he just goes like, there's a, and it's yeah, very like, he okay. refused. He refused to salute him earlier because he hated Caffey. And yeah. now he and the the lizard brain in me was like, he's regained his honor in a way. 
it's a very like ho- crying at a Hallmark commercial thing where it's like, yeah. I don't actually believe this, but I'm crying. <laughs> this is ludicrous, <laughs> but you're triggering everything. And that's how he uh, gained honor from his dad. And you're like, it's, it's fine. Lionel Gaffey would be so proud. Did you watch this on Tubi? I watched this as man was meant to watch this with commercial breaks on AMC. (laughs) We don't have AMC. So we had to like, we had to download Tubi onto my phone, onto my phone, onto our TV, our shared TV. We also got it with commercial breaks. Always a second off. Always a second off. <laughs> the, where they put the you breaks. You get like a half a second shot of like the, the raising the flag at Iwo Jima statue. It would cut to like a Tide commercial that usually precedes a YouTube video you're trying to watch. And then it cut back to the same shot of raising the flag at Iwo Jima. And you're like, oh, you guys, come on. It's The movie's been out for like 30 <laughs> years. Just figure out where it's supposed to fucking go. I'm going to be a millionaire because I'm going to figure out how to put ads in YouTube videos that aren't just like in the middle of a sentence when someone's like, and she was credibly accused of, hey, if you want to like Birchbox, why don't you? (laughs) And it's the same fucking ad. And number 10, the time when the dude talks to Walter (laughs) NordVPN. Oh, come on. (laughs) I wanted to know the top 10 best moments in the Big Lebowski. There's one quote that uh, there's actually a few quotes that I probably already say just because I've seen this movie a lot. But there's one that I want to start working in, which is take your seat, Colonel, which the judge says to him after they have their little back and forth. Their little repartee. Everyone's just swinging them dicks in the courtroom. I mean, if I was a colonel, I'd probably point it out a lot more than I do now, which is never because I'm not a colonel. You are technically... A DR, although not a doctor. That's true. I, I can't. If you ask no follow up questions, I'm Doctor X. <laughs> I have a nominee for. Mm-hmm. I think our secret Catherine O'Hara Memorial MVP is Demi Moore. Okay. Secret only that I don't think she gets her flowers for this role. I mean, I think she's well regarded, but you know, you got the Jack Nicholson, you got the Tom Cruise. And Ooh, I couldn't possibly eat a whole more. <laughs> what do you got? Anything smaller? Semi Demi Hey, hey dude, you want to go have these on a more? I would love. I <laughs> I'd like to nominate her for that. And for single scene, I think Jack Nicholson is too easy to nominate for the Sally Field single scene award. I mean, I, on one hand, I, I could understand the argument for it, but I'm, I'm going to say Kiefer Sutherland because his scene on the stand is very like, this guy is fucking psycho. He is. Kiefer Sutherland does acquit himself well. Mm. I don't know if that's the No, he does I'm not. He use. also, I no, think, he gets doesn't. court-martialed. Uh, yeah. He effectively does not acquit himself well. And there was part of me that's sad that his eventual arrest is only alluded to at the end, where Kevin Bacon's like, well, I guess I gotta go arrest Kendrick. I'm like, no, look, bring us. I want to see. But I will say this. My boyfriend, to get him to admit that he enjoyed something or hated something is hard to do. He's always a five out of ten type of guy. It was fine when when I'm like, how did you like the movie? It was fine. He genuinely enjoyed A Few Good Men. And about that final scene, he was like, sometimes... That thing that everyone talks about being great is actually that great thing. Yeah. So I feel like even though it's basic bitch, pumpkin spice latte, 
I have to nominate Jack Nicholson's testimony. Yeah. Um, using the line that we agreed at the outset we would not quote as the Sally Field Outstanding Scene Award. Fine. <laughs> Mark it in the record. How do you feel about Demi Moore as our MVP? No, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I was kind of like watching this whole movie this time. I was watching it with her in mind. So I absolutely want to give her the, the COH. Delightful. Shall we go? Sorry, the COH MMVP. Shall we go to our verdicts? I want to bring up two things. One is just like a really annoying thing in movies in general, but it happens in this movie. Who is it? It's me. He met Demi Moore three days ago, (laughs) and she is a professional... acquaintance <laughs> what the fuck are you answering it's me at someone's private home when someone asks who it is just say your name who have you ever said it's me mm, when you've even to my best so. i would say i would not i would never say it's me yeah i would say something like hey, i'd say something jackassery yeah hey, I'd, girl. I'd use a funny voice yeah, or something yeah. but i would never say it's me Especially if I've never been to someone's house before, now, what, and they're not expecting me. Now, would you say it's a me? And do you think that would <laughs> help? Because that's a silly Only voice. Only in dinosaur land. Only in dinosaur land. Rules are rules. Also, just to drive home the Sally Field Outstanding Scene Award, something I've always noticed when I watch this, but I really appreciated watching it this time is at one point I can't remember the specifics. Unfortunately, Tom Cruise while he's pelleting. Jessup with questions. I mean, he sort of gets dressed down, I think, by the judge. Yeah. And when the camera like pans back to Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson is smirking. Now, I don't know if you know about this, about Jack Nicholson, but he's got a megawatt smile. And he's just smirking, kind of like older brother watching younger brother get in trouble. Yeah. Like my brother would when I was getting dressed down by my parents. I've said dressed down, I feel like, yeah. in this episode. You're into that. What is that? Like five times? Anyway, Tom Cruise says something funny, uh, Colonel. And he immediately, his entire face shifts yeah. in a very politician way. He's like, no, it's a tragedy. And he just like starts like spouting politician nonsense. But that shift from Jack Nicholson's smile to like serious yeah. face oh, is so wonderful. I love it. Speaking of old timey phrases, Tom Cruise also says, we're going to get creamed. Just <laughs> not one you hear that often. Uh, it's true. Also, he eats an apple, which is the universal sign of this guy's an asshole. Yes. Although he does it. Never eat apples. Certainly not while talking to someone. Oh, there's also some like good donut based physical comedy. He's walking down the hall. (laughs) talking. I think he's talking to Jack. Good, good donut based. I'm going to put a lot of asterisks by that good. I thought it was great. I think he's talking to Jack, to Kevin Bacon. He's walking down the hall and he grabs like a donut off the plate. Our first walk and talk. Yeah. And he looks at it and he's like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he takes a bite and he's like, just like throws it away. It's very casual. I don't care how old that donut is. I'm eating that whole donut. Only a megawatt celebrity, megawatt, second time in this podcast, What's wrong would with you? eat a donut and be like, oh, a normal person would throw this donut away <laughs> if it doesn't meet their standards of donutity. No, we eat the whole donut. You just eat it faster to get through the process. And then you eat something else to make up for the flavor. <laughs> What's the problem, Thomas? Like, what's the flavor? I've eaten two day old donuts. What's the problem? Yeah, they're a little chewier than you want them to be, but what's the problem? You need the fats. A winter is coming. 
Lieutenant, you need to be chopping logs <laughs> out there. Lieutenant Caffey uh, keeps it toyed, though. I could see him spitting out a donut. Yeah, he looks like someone who'd be on a keto diet. I want to tell you all about mm-hmm. it. Let's go to the verdict. Come on. Yeah, I'm ready now. Members it's of the court. Uh, oh, court martial. We. It wasn't. Did they ever Marshall's call it a court? court? They called it Marshall's Court. So it was like a. That sounds like a sitcom <laughs> from the '90s that got canceled after a season. Dabney Coleman is Marshall, <laughs> but he's a judge. Okay. Does this mean? Okay, I think I have to go first because it's uh, your your episode. Yeah, these are the rules that we all established. That we that all we signed. We by. signed before we decided on this new format. Listen, Aaron Child's not an idiot. The movie's great. There are issues with it. Roger Ebert thought it was annoying that the mystery was solved and the the. Audience didn't get to solve it, which is a stupid criticism of this movie. There are valid criticisms. I might actually agree with that. I mean, as I've been talking about, I don't like that scene where Jack Nicholson's like, I'm the one who did the code red. I'm like, you don't have, this scene seems unnecessary. That one scene is very like, it's it's very like, my gentlemen, gather around in the mountain of doom that we all have an office in. It feels like that feels like a relic of the fact that this was a play originally. And Mm -hmm. other than it being a courtroom, drama which is like inherently playetic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that feels like a relic of a movie that like felt like it needed to over explain something which i think is a very play-ish thing to do as well finding different ways of saying play like try mega mega (laughs) and i just feel like dress as the audience we keep getting dressed down by this script (laughs) no this movie is great it's a classic and it's a classic for a reason there are it's not completely without issue, but the main cast is amazing in it. Jack Nicholson's incredible, just as you have been led to believe. Tom Cruise is good. Demi Moore is great. Kevin Pollack is great. Kevin Bacon is great. I don't mean to sound surprised. Noah Wiley is great. Noah Wiley. Oh, but he's so baby-faced. Christopher Look at Guest him. plays the doctor for like five seconds, and he is actually great. He is great. He's not he as great, great as he is in Little Shop of Horrors, but he plays a doctor who is like... Obviously been pressured by Jessica. He's been to pressured like, and also like has to admit that some of the things he's saying are true and that he's like covering and oh that was, that was very good. It's a good movie. Urine Child's not an idiot. Loved it. It's also funny in places. At times. Urine Child is not an idiot. This is a good movie. It's a good rainy Saturday movie. You know I love a Saturday oh, movie. I love being dressed down by a megawatt Saturday movie. What does it even mean? To beat the band is the other thing that you say <laughs> a lot too <laughs> lately. By hook or by crook. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's neither here nor there, but you know. I'd love I to love- get creamed by this movie. <laughs> Wait, what? What? Your Honor, I will say this. One of the things I've been enjoying about movies recently, thanks to Ryan Johnson, the murder mystery, I feel like, is coming back into movies, even though it's an inherently artificial idea. There has never been an instance in humanist, in murder history, not since Cain and Abel, where you could say, okay, it's only this limited group of suspects because they're all in the house together. And I think that inherently artificial and arbitrary like movie setup, I feel like we can bring the trial movie back. I love a good trial movie. I feel like, like the get 90s, them on the sand. Get them. The 90s were their heyday. And then I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. See, a Miracle on 34th Street when they again. got that old fucking bastard, Chris Kringle. But uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, I mean, there there is a cheesiness to this movie. There is an artificiality. There's a weird Rob Reiner doing Perry Mason drag in certain scene. parts. Well, <laughs> I just mean the the end is very, oh, okay. I think literally how Perry Mason episodes ended with the oh, end okay. being blared over a sort of high angle shot down of a courtroom. It's I think it's a deliberate like homage to Perry Mason. 
But there's something about it that hooks me in every time. I think it's bold, bolstered by the the acting of everyone. Like you said, I think everyone's doing a really great job. It's fun to see a person who believes that torturing people is a good way to get results, get his comeuppance because it's a fantasy. I was reviewing a quick article on Aaron Sorkin before we came on here. And it was saying that the Colonel Jessups are the ones winning in the world today. And I was like, oh, yeah. Colonel Jessup would be like Mike Flynn today. He'd be supporting Donald Trump and possibly also under criminal investigation from the Justice Department. But yeah, I mean, it's cheesy, it's it's middle brow, and it's a little bit of like an intellectual fantasy. But for those reasons, I kind of like it. So <laughs> yeah, Werner Child's not an idiot. I like that she said that like a top chef judge. And like, and for those reasons, we have to nominate you. You got to pack up your knives. Is that what they say on that show? Yes. I never really watched it. <laughs> what do you think, everybody? Email us, your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail, 615-576-0525. Leave a voicemail and tell me if my recaps are getting worse or staying at the same level. I know they're not getting better. Don't blow smoke up my ass to beat the band. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me if they're getting worse or staying the same. You're going to get That's all I want to know. You're going to get creamed. <laughs> we want to thank our patrons for supporting the show, including Just Cuz, Lindsay Halleck, Scalphosaurus. I'm going to say this like Jack Nicholson, James okay. Taylor, Particle Man, the McWillie House of Cats. Okay, you do Jack Nicholson, I'll do Kiefer Sutherland. Okay. Dramatically placed hot dog. The supreme ruler of this podcast. It's bad. Karen Curd. T. Smith. Okay, it's turning into Christian Slater. It's, it's the a, it's same shades, thing. It's shades of meaning, but I can tell the difference. Just gotta do the, the eyebrows. Zachary Hartley. Oh, I can't see if I do. Is that oh, I can't. I'm looking. I'm looking at the spreadsheet right now. You can't just start doing a physical comedy over Caroline there. Caroline Amberson. Tommy Boy is my favorite movie. Jonathan Day. Larissa Mastro. Shit Wait, on I'm, the cartouche. <laughs> David Mort. <laughs> Beth Sermont. Josh Frigo. Bill Haynes. Jackson has an unhealthy obsession with Damon. His honor, the mayor. <laughs> now, do I do Kiefer doing Jeff Goldblum here? Is yeah. that what I... Yeah. Dr. Malcolm's uh, even bosom. <laughs> the zesty. Jeremy Powell. Da- Damon's Australian accent. <laughs> Travis Vance. The hands of fate. Lindsay Nail. Captain John Luke Picard. Now, is that Jack Nicholson doing yeah. Patrick Stewart? Uh huh. I'd pay to see that. The elusive fan Gronkin. Heather Tuggle. Thank you all very much for not Some only supporting of our us, worst. But, but supporting us despite the fact that we do <laughs> very bad impressions and yet we stick with them. So if you want to support like them, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Yeah, if anything, that was committing to the bit. I feel like our 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 impressions right there are really just really sinking our teeth into it, really sticking with it. I like that instead of practicing to get better, it, it just gets worse. It just like kind of falls apart. <laughs> hmm. Kind of like my recaps. In theory, In theory, I'd love to hear back. Now, what I like about this is like you have no ability to hold the veracity. Mm. We're getting awfully, awfully close. 
We're getting awfully close <laughs> to managing the <laughs> versimilitude of this situation. That's pretty good. We own thesauruses. Thesauruses. <laughs>